Good morning, everyone. A really warm welcome uh, to you all to this, our 10.30 service of praise and worship. Uh, to those in the building, a really warm welcome. If you're uh, new, a great welcome to you as well. And or if you've come back after a long time away, it's great uh, that you're able to be with us this morning. Now, however we come to this service this morning, whether it's with uh, joy in our hearts or if there's an ache in our hearts, we come to the God who knows us and who loves us all the way to the bottom and sent his son to die for us. And that's something uh, we can we can certainly rejoice in. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that the Lord Jesus is your anointed and appointed king. Father, we are mindful of the times when we have not lived faithfully in the light of that truth. We are sorry for the times we have placed ourselves on the throne of judgment over others. We are sorry for the times our prayer has been thin, our speech has been harsh, and our service has been reluctant. And our love for you and for our neighbours is half-hearted. Forgive us. And Father, thank you. Thank you so much that because of Christ's blood shed on the cross, those who repent and truly trust in you, through the assurance that your Holy Spirit provides, that we can know the forgiveness that the cross has won. We pray for those who are journeying through a season of trial, be that physical, mental, economic, Spiritual. In a moment of quiet now, raise to God those who are on your heart, those who need God's healing balm poured out onto their wounds. And Father, we pray for our mission partners, and we thank you for the sacrificial way in which they serve and honour you through the gospel ministries you have placed in their hearts. We pray for all those in Afghanistan. We pray for your hand of protection on those whose lives are at risk due to the regime change. We pray for safe passage for those looking to leave the country. And Father, we pray for mercy and compassion to grow in the hearts of the Taliban leaders. We pray for the ministry teams here at LCBC as they restart their ministries in September. May they draw on the strength that you provide to joyfully and fully serve you. Grant them wisdom in their planning for the terms ahead. And Father, we pray that where there are gaps in the team, that you would promote or prompt those who you are calling to serve you in those ministries to step forward, trusting in your provision. At the dawn of a new school term, we pray for teachers that they would work diligently to encourage and build up the children in their care. We pray that measures put in place to minimise COVID risks would be adhered to without overly disrupting the children's learning. And for the children, we pray that they would not be anxious about returning to school. And we pray especially for those children either moving up to a new school or moving to a new class. We pray that good friendships would be formed and that the children would be safe from harm. And finally, we pray for the ongoing COVID pandemic 
We pray that people would exercise freedoms with consideration and with patience. We pray that the ongoing rollout of the vaccine would continue apace worldwide. We pray that pressures on health services in this country and around the world would abate. And we pray especially for South Africa this morning. We pray that those in hospital would recover well and that those who are treating patients would remain infection-free. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Before Colin comes to speak to us this morning and uh, Jeff brings us a reading from Scripture, let me pray for them and for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your true living and powerful word. I pray that as Jeff comes to read for us this morning, that he would do so with clarity and with confidence, and that your word would penetrate our hearts. And we thank you for the words that you have given Colin to share with us this morning. We pray that you would anoint his lips as he unfolds scripture to us this morning, that with great assurance he would speak all the words you have given him. And I pray for ourselves, Father, I pray that you would unstop our ears, that you would quicken our minds and warm our hearts in readiness to receive your word. Father, I pray we would be encouraged, challenged and empowered. I pray that your truth revealed afresh this morning would profoundly shape our lives for your glory. Amen. Our reading this morning is taken from Acts chapter 4, starting at verses 23 to 37. Uh, And just to put it in context... um, because it starts off on their release. <clears throat> so the, the apostles, well, particularly Peter and John, um, had just been released from prison. Uh, the apostles were proclaiming uh, the resurrection of the dead, and the Sadducees, as you know, didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. So they had them thrown into prison overnight. So on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, 
and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. May God bless his word to us this morning. Thanks, Jeff. I've just remained uh, about a year yesterday is when I arrived here at the church. So uh, it's wonderful to be here together, uh, all together, uh, to worship the Lord together. So as we do that, let, let's just bow our heads for a moment of prayer to focus on what the Lord has to say to us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would help me to expound it clearly, uh, that we would respond to it in faith, and that it would shape every part of our lives as we see you as glorious. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if if you've been watching the news at all recently, there's really only one story that dominates it, and that is Afghanistan. As the Allied forces look to leave in the coming days, the question is, well, what would it look like, what will it look like when they go? Because their absence will lead to a power vacuum and a power struggle. As the Taliban, the Afghan governmental forces, and even ISIS fighters look to take over parts of the country. The impact of power is a big question in the country and indeed in any country, as dependent on who will lead it, who has the power, will shape the future of it. Whether it flourishes and prospers, or whether it withers and dies. And when it comes to our lives as Christians, we know that that we have a choice as to what leads us, by what power leads us. As we heard last week, will we be led by the flesh, which leads to death in our lives? Or will we be led by the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, which leads to life and peace? The difference is stark. And Jesus' words in John 15 remind us of just what that means. Because as he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. That as a Christian... We can't do anything in our own strength, but only by the power of the Spirit at work in us. And we're carrying on in our four-part series on the Holy Spirit. Today we're looking at, at how the Holy Spirit empowers us, before concluding next week on how the Holy Spirit assures us. And we'll see this morning that the Holy Spirit empowers us in, in three primary ways. That is, he helps us to pray powerfully, to speak boldly, and to serve generously. And so firstly, as we think of praying powerfully. In chapter 2 of Acts, the Holy Spirit is given at Pentecost to all the believers of the New Testament church as the church is born. It's the fulfillment of the prophecy in Joel 2 and the fulfillment of Jesus' words in the Gospel of John when he promised to give an advocate, the Holy Spirit, to testify about all the words that he would give him, to testify everywhere to everyone about the words of Christ. 
As the Spirit is given, the, the Word of God goes forth. It goes out in power to all people, to new people groups. As it says in Acts 1.8, people from, from Jerusalem, it goes from Jerusalem to, to Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. That's the, the main focus of the book of Acts, is that the Word goes out in power all over the world. In chapter 4, as we see there, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, I should say, and John experience severe persecution. As we heard, they were thrown in jail as they testify about Jesus rising from the dead. Yet despite the hostile reactions, they just keep preaching. Peter and John then go back to their fellow believers in what is the early church and tell them all that the chief priests and elders had said. And then when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Their immediate and natural response is to pray. Whether it's in a time of praise or in a time of problem, the response is to pray. And that should be our response, our natural response as well. Is there something amazing that's happened to us in the day? We should pray. Is there a big problem? Is there a small problem that's come up in the day? We should pray. Is there something that's happened to someone else or might happen to someone else? We should pray. That is the immediate and natural response of the people, and that should be our natural and immediate response. To bow our heads in prayer in every moment of the day when things come our way. And they pray the awesome truth that God is sovereign. That is, that the Lord is totally in control. That God has made the heavens and the earth and sustains us even now, giving us the breath in our lungs. That God is the God who is in control of everything and everyone, even the nations of the world. That God reigns over the whole world. And they know that God reigns because they cite scripture. They use God's words to fuel their prayers. As we think of ourselves, that should be our practice as well. As we let the word of God shape our minds and our hearts and listen to God's voice as he speaks to us through the word. And we can pray big, powerful prayers in faith because we know that God is in control. He's in control of everything and everyone. He governs over the whole world. And yet, he also knows every intimate detail of our minds and our hearts. We know that God listens to us. He listens to every thought that we have, every worry that we might have. And why does he listen to us? Well, he listens to us because we are his children because you are his sons god sent the spirit of his son into our hearts the spirit who calls out abba father it's the amazing truth that because god has given us his spirit that he testifies that we are his children 
And therefore, he hears our prayers. We have intimacy with God in prayer by the Spirit, that he testifies that we are his children, and that he is the Lord Almighty and our Heavenly Father at the very same time. And the Spirit leads us and helps us in prayer as we, as we hear of that in Romans 8, in verse 26, it says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. It's amazing that God's Spirit intercedes for us to God. So that we know that God helps us, helps us in all of our prayers. And therefore, in that light, he gives us the power to pray big, powerful, crazy, amazing prayers. That we would be bold in our prayers as we come to the throne room of God. The throne room of our Father, our Heavenly Father. And in light of that, in light of the fact that God is in control, he empowers us to speak boldly. As the people of the, as the people pray, as their continued prayer goes on, they ask God to help them to be bold in the light of the persecution that they're facing. Saying, now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They pray to speak the word of God with boldness because their message, their message was seen as blasphemous. Because if Jesus rose from the dead, then the religious leaders of the day, well, they would need to admit that they were wrong. That all that they lived for was wrong. Secondly, it would really be a threat to their position, their position in society, their power and influence as well of who they were. And thirdly, the Sadducees, as we heard, they didn't believe in the resurrection. And so to hear a message about the resurrection, well, that just didn't work. They couldn't believe it. Therefore, the rulers and the religious people of the time were looking for ways to silence the Christians. And so the believers prayed to God to speak the word with boldness. But despite the leader's best efforts to silence them, as it says in verse 4 earlier in the chapter, those who believed grew to 5,000 people. Interestingly, the number of people becoming Christians doesn't go down when persecution happens. It often goes up because believers have to rely on the Lord. They have to rely on his strength and his power working in them to preach the word of God to a hostile people. That's the case in many places as you hear of stories in China and others where the authorities try and shut down the church The church goes underground and the number of believers rises. Because despite persecution, despite persecution, the word of God will continue to go forward. God will continue to build his kingdom and no government, no army, no force can stop it. But that's very easy to say, isn't it? To say that we will be bold when persecution comes. And yet we're all very fragile human beings, aren't we? When we're placed under pressure, we can break quite easily. And so we need strength and power to speak up. 
to speak of the Lord. That was the same for Peter and John, who when asked by the religious leaders, by what power or name do you do these miraculous things? It says in verse 29, verse 29 there, that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, sorry, verse 8, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, it said to them, he tells them that the, the Jewish leaders are to blame, that the very people that he's standing in front of are to blame. They're to blame for crucifying Jesus. They killed Jesus. And not only that, but Jesus has been raised from the dead and salvation can only be found in Jesus. No one else. You can imagine that that would be a very, very unpopular message standing in front of powerful people. That's a very unpopular message today. As we speak to other people, that Jesus is the only way to heaven. But the Apostle Paul, sorry, Apostle Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit to speak the word of God boldly in a hostile place. In verse 31, a similar thing occurs as the people pray. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Both Peter and John and the people pray to God for boldness and the Spirit fills them with power, not for their own personal spiritual experience, but to proclaim the word of God, especially in what is a very hostile environment. The focus is on depending on the Spirit's power in our lives to speak the word of God in situations when we know the response will probably be hostile. It will probably be difficult. It's not to ask for new revelation, as we already have God's word, God's revealed word to us. And it's not another conversion moment. The Spirit was given at Pentecost, and when we are converted as Christians, we're baptized into the Spirit. As the Apostle Paul makes that clear in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For we were all baptized, that is, all Christians, baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, the church, whether Jews or Gentile slave or free and we were all given the one spirit to drink the point of chapter 4 of Acts of being filled with the spirit is that God would empower us to preach the word of God fearlessly to not have any intimidation but to speak the word of God to others Therefore, our prayer should be to ask the Lord to fill us with the power of the Spirit so that we would speak boldly of Jesus. What might that look like for us today? What might that look like for you? Perhaps there's a colleague at work who's interested in asking questions of life and God. Pray that God would give you the power, the boldness to speak of Jesus to them. Maybe you have a neighbor that you would love to see come to know the Lord. Pray that God would strengthen, that he would give you the power to open your mouth and speak of Jesus to them. Or maybe perhaps you're about to start in a new place, either at university, at school, or maybe even a workplace. And you're thinking, how will people respond to me as a Christian? Or even, what will I say 
what will I say to them about being a Christian? If I can give you one piece of advice, as I spoke to someone through the week there, in starting somewhere new, it would be to set your stall out for the Lord. To put your marker down for Jesus. Put your marker down for Jesus. People may mock you. They may make fun of you. But at least they'll know what you believe. As you believe that Jesus Christ died for sinners. Of which you and I qualify. And so your prayer should be, Lord, fill me with your spirit that I would preach boldly about Jesus to this person. As we speak of Jesus boldly, the Spirit will also give us a a spirit of generosity to serve generously. As the apostles and the believers preached the word of God with boldness, they were servant-hearted and generous towards all their fellow believers. As the writer of Acts, Luke, writes in verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Their generosity and servant-hearted lives sprung out of the love and the unity that they shared together. As the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 4, in verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The unity is, is not something that, that we create or that somehow we, we muster up together by what we have in common in life. No, it's the Spirit that creates it, and we are called to keep it. We're called to keep that unity and maintain it. It's the Spirit of God that that convicts us of sin, that shows our sin to us, and then leads us to Jesus. That he binds us to Jesus, and that he binds us to one another in love. That we would live out that unity of love and peace with one another. And therefore, as Paul goes on in Ephesians, he calls them not to live as they used to live, but to put off the old and put on the new. If you have a Bible there, please turn with me to just Ephesians 4, as we look at just a few verses on that. Just thinking of, what does that mean? To put off the old and put on the new. Ephesians 4, from verse 22. Putting off the old putting on the new for verse 22 there it says you were taught with regard to your former way of life that is before you became a christian to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like god in true righteousness and holiness and then he says, uh, after calling them not to lie, but to speak the, lo- speak the truth in love to one another, he says, don't let your anger uh, go down. Don't resol- resolve your issues of anger in the day. Don't let it uh, fester in the evening. And he says, don't steal, but use, use your hands for good. Use to, to bless people rather than take from them. And then in verse 29, He goes on, he says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. That is swearing, blasphemy. We don't do that anymore. We take that off. But 
only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as Christ God forgave you. It is by God's Spirit and his word that he instructs us and enables us to put off the old way of thinking, the old way of acting, and the old way of living. That we would then put on the new of who we are in Christ. And we don't want to, as Paul says there, we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit by living as we used to live, by living sinful lives. We don't do that anymore. No, instead we want to live lives that please God, that please our Heavenly Father. That we would honor Him as we love Him and love others well. Because it's the power of God at work in us. As the writer Luke records in verse 33 and 34, with great power the apostles continue to testify to the resurrection of Jesus, of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. As they proclaim that Jesus is risen, it radically changes their lives. As God's grace is just powerfully changing them, powerfully at work in them. People sell their houses, they sell their fields, they sell everything they have, and they give it to the apostles and the believers to help them and to help the advancement of the kingdom of God, to help the word of God go forth. Because of what Christ has done for them, they are just radically generous. Their hearts overflow with generosity. Because they're always looking for ways to bless, always looking for ways to serve as they seek to love and encourage, especially other believers, for those who have received Jesus. Perhaps as we think of ourselves in this new season of life, going into September with everything starting, is there a way in which we can be radically generous to other believers, to those that we know and love, maybe that those that we don't know and love, that we would be generous to them? Perhaps it's addressing how we use our money, whether that's our giving in church, our giving to missionaries, or other Christians in need. Maybe that's actually in the use of our time, how we use our retirement, how we use our evenings, our weekends, whether we serve in church or not. We want to be a blessing. We want to, as we have received everything in Christ, that we would be abundantly generous to others. And so whatever the Lord lays on your heart to do, do it. Respond to him. Help this, let, let, let the Spirit work in your life that you would respond in a generous and servant-hearted way as we seek to serve others and share for their good and for God's glory. As we close, we have the question, well, what is the truth that drove the early Christians and empowers us today to live this out? To do those three things, to pray powerfully, to speak boldly, and to serve generously. What is it that drives them, and what is it that drives us to do it? Well, perhaps the question is, well, why do they, as you look at the passage in Acts 4, why do they quote Psalm 2? 
in verse 25 and 26, of all the scriptures that they could quote, of all the Old Testament scriptures that they could mention, why choose that one? Well, because, as it says, let me, let me read in verse 25 and 26 of Acts 4. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. And then it goes on in verse 27. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. The question is, who is the Lord's anointed one? The anointed means Messiah. It means Christ. And at the baptism of Jesus... God the Father looks on the Son and he says, This is my Son, taking from Psalm 2, verse 7. Because our Lord Jesus is the Lord's anointed King. That they persecute him, that that Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles and the Jews, they are the nations that rage, the peoples that plot, the kings that rise up against them, the rulers band against them. Against who? Against the King, Jesus, the Lord's anointed one. He is the true King, not of Israel, but of every nation, of the whole creation. Because the people plot in vain against them, and in vain rise up against them. Because Jesus' death, it didn't happen by accident, but God predestined at sending his son to take the punishment for all of our sins upon the cross that we would receive full forgiveness for all the things that we've ever done that we would receive forgiveness in his name and jesus didn't stay dead but god raised him from the dead and now he reigns in heaven as god used wicked men to complete his perfect sovereign purposes, appointing our Lord Jesus as king over everything. That Jesus now today is Lord. That today Jesus is Lord over Afghanistan. Jesus is Lord over Allah. Jesus is Lord over the Taliban. Jesus rules over North Korea, over Somalia, over Pakistan, over Nigeria, over every place that every Christian is persecuted, Jesus reigns. Jesus is Lord over COVID, he's Lord over Brexit, he's Lord over our government, he's Lord over every other government, he's Lord over every one of our lives, because Jesus Christ reigns. He reigns over everything and everyone. And therefore... Therefore, we pray to him. We pray powerfully to the God who reigns over everything. We speak boldly of Jesus Christ who reigns and saves. And we serve generously because we serve the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Because we know that our God reigns. He reigns and saves. He saves us when we turn to him 
when we turn from our old way of living and turn to him, we live for him as our Lord and as our Savior. As we think of those three things, to pray powerfully, to speak boldly, and to serve generously, I'm going to pray to close, but perhaps perhaps there's something in your life, maybe as you think about praying, something that seems impossible. Let me invite you to pray for that both today and for the rest of the week, to pray powerfully of something that seems impossible. Speak boldly. Is there opportunities in your life? Is there someone in your life that you know you need to speak to them about the Lord to, and you haven't opened your mouth? Would you pray for that? And is there some way that you can serve and generously live out your life, whether that's here in church or with other Christians, that you would do that? Let me pray to close, and then I'll leave a a gap of a couple of minutes before we, we close with our final song. Let's pray together. Uh, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are Lord of all. That we come to you humbly. That we would receive uh, your power to be able to, to pray to you, to know you as our Lord and know our Heavenly Father through you. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to speak of the goodness and the salvation that is found in Jesus. Help us, Lord, to do that. I pray that you would uh, work in our minds, work in our hearts, reveal to us the things uh, that you would have us do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So finally, some uh, words from the reading that we had today. I think hopefully it's an encouragement for us to go uh, into the week from verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So, Father, we pray that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit. Empower our prayer, our speech and our service. Use us for your kingdom's glory in the week ahead. Amen.